0: Welcome to a new episode of Riyada, a podcast about entrepreneurship in the MENA region from the Middle East program at the Wilson Center. I'm Marissa Khurma and my co-host is Ahmad Shahwa of Saudi Arabia from Amman, Jordan. Today's guest is from Qatar. He's a stand-up comedian, an entrepreneur, an MC, and a storyteller, and many more. We're very fortunate to be talking today to Hamad Al-Amari. Welcome to Riyada, Hamad. Um, And thank you for joining us.
1: Uh, Thanks for having me. Um, I'm excited to talk. I love talking. So yeah, thanks for considering me on the podcast and I look forward to our conversation.
0: Absolutely. So I guess um, the question that we always kick off on this podcast is, what is your story? How did you become all these things? Um, An entrepreneur? A comedian, an artist, a storyteller. What does it all mean? Um, tell us about your journey.
1: Um, I'm, I feel like I'm still in the middle of the journey. So, uh, so I can. I mean, it started, I guess, from a very young age. I was a troublemaker from from you know, I was a pain to my mother and his teachers and everyone who was around. <laughs> full of energy, straight A student, but at the same time you know, the, the kind of mischief that you would get to in your young years. And then later on, much later on in life, I went to university to actually study biomedical sciences so that I could go and become a doctor. And then I did four years of that and decided that it's not for me. And I just dropped out and came back to Doha. And that opened up. I mean, I played golf for around um, three months and my parents got a little annoyed. So they're like, are you going to get on with your life? Or are you going to, you know, go to uni, get a job? So I was like, fine, mm-hmm. I'll get a job. So I got a job. and I think it's kind of an amalgamation of so many things over the years, but I was always interested in different people and how different people come together and work together. Um, and I was very much into what I later realized was the mind and not the body. So I was always fascinated by people. And from the academic side in school, they would tell me, oh, you're fit for a doctor. You should be a doctor. You should, you know, so that was kind of you were. your options were doctor, engineer, lawyer. That's what it's like in the Arab world, you know? So to go there and come back and say, I want to be an artist, it's, it's something that kind of was challenging. But I got the impression, ability to understand that I could just work with people from all over the world, different ages, and build kind of a good rapport with so many of them. And over the years, you realize that you amassed a network of people that just have mutual respect and you guys excite each other and intellectually challenge each other. So everything led to where we are today and what really kind of broke... Uh, the Doors was when I tried stand-up comedy in 2011 November, so over 11 years. That was the first time I went on stage. And that opened up the door into communication and marketing and then I set up my own uh, marketing agency after working in the, in the industry here in Qatar for around five years. Um, but yeah, it it I can't kind of say the skills of The people skills, the soft skills, the things that you'd had that no one taught you in school, (laughs) you know, Mm
2: -hmm. they
1: came out to be the things that I rely mostly on and and they keep going. And the storytelling element of it is, it's so much easier to kind of find the common ground and work on the human, the common human elements between us um, rather than... Kind of box people into a place where you think, oh, this guy is from here; he's here, therefore he must. You know, there's no conclusion until you sit and and hear people's stories. So, in a nutshell, <laughs> that's my story.
0: So, I'm really um, fascinated with, you know, you talked about the first time you went on stage and tried stand-up comedy. What yes. was that like? You know that that must have been quite a breakthrough moment for you. Um, and how did you, how did it come about?
1: So I was, uh, I still to this day have like a fear of standing on stage. Like, <laughs> I don't know how, um, but it's still there. Um, and that was a, like in that moment, if I can try and painful, exciting the amount of fear that was going through me and the amount of preparation that I had to do. One of my close friends, Muhammad Kamal, he was the one who got me into it. And he made it sound like I had your name on the list. and If you don't show up, you've got your time slot, you know. So it was like, okay, fine. You know, I don't think I'm funny anyway. It's just the way I tell stories probably that might do it. Um, so I then went to find out that it was like, in a corridor outside of a restaurant, and there was around twenty-five people <laughs> there, and we were like the the. It was like the opening of the restaurant, and if you wanted some entertainment, there is some outside, and that was us, the stand-up comedians who were uh, who were trying to put on the show for the walk-through guests. <laughs> yeah. So it was. It was like, you know, I got on the stage. It was kind of like reciting what I had been preparing for the month beforehand or the couple of weeks beforehand. And it was about locking the five minutes. So I would do it and do it and do it. And when I got on stage, it turned into 11 minutes because I had no idea what timing was, what spacing of a laugh was or what kind of, you know. But it was... Coming off the stage it's like a eye that nothing else gave you in terms of what your ability was, you know.
2: Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the
1: amount of fear that you overcome and then you get the first laugh and you're like, this is intoxicating. This is mm-hmm. this is something wow. that nothing else gives me. And yeah, it just became that thing that I kept going for and looking after. And then the third show I did was probably the worst i've ever done and i did like just under 15 minutes and not a single chuckle and i was so happy that it happened like then because you know i got too cocky too quick and i thought i was the guy you know and then it was like boom respect the the art form and then i was like okay there's a lot more to wow. this so yeah mm-hmm. I've nice. been going since then. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I've been uh, I've, I've been uh, following you uh, recently, uh, Hamad. It's really good stuff. Um, what what sort of themes would you um, would you cover in your in your early shows to kind of connect to the audience, or what kind of uh, ideas were you focused on early on?
1: just I feel again. I think I'm just fascinated by how people do things. I feel like. We there's so many things we attribute of success, but then at the end of the quarter of it, there's a bunch of people behind it. You know, the best tower or the most beautiful painting, or at the end of the day, there's someone there, and you know, there's a there's a human element. So I try and focus on the the kind of interactions between different people that I just witness from day to day, or you know, like if registering my daughter in school like for example is a process that i never thought would be this you know frustrating <laughs> but you know these little things they they form uh scenarios that i would then write and try and take from whether i've seen someone or uh or i've seen a situation unfold in front of me and mm. kind of situational realism and I focused on, like, you know, the Arab identity early on because that was, you know, i go on stage as a Qadari, i wear my soul, and, and I, you know, it's, they're like, who's this guy? Why is it okay for this guy to tell me stories? So early on, mm-hmm. I learned that I had to be the subject of every joke. I had to be the punchline so I could get the rapport and, and get the audience to engage. But now it's more, you know... Read between the lines. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I think that's pretty, pretty brave. Um, because when you know, when you said you wear your so you know your tradi- your traditional Qatari um, um, attire, and you're on stage, um, I'm pretty sure just this image for our listeners will make a huge difference, right? Um, because we don't see. Stand up comedy as a as a traditional art form in the MENA region. Um, you talked about how you have these three or four professions that you're supposed to go into, right? Yeah, and that's 100%. that's the mindset. That's the that's yeah. the prevailing um, um, mindset. And yeah. uh, in our research at the Wilson Center, um, you know, zooming into workforce development and youth. And the challenge of joblessness and finding what you want to do in life, um, this always comes up and family is a huge part of it. So I guess my yeah. question is, how did your family um, basically um, handle this sort of, you know, uh, unconventional journey that you took?
1: Um. I think they just dealt with it. I I'm don't like, hey. no, I have a very supportive family. My parents are, I mean, I owe them a lot. Um, I'm the eldest son. So I don't know, in, in our culture, in the Arab world, the eldest son means something. Um, and, you know, I'm still, I'm one of eight children. So um, I think there's enough, People to pay attention to (laughs) after me, I guess. I don't know. No, we have a very great relationship. Uh, My mother still doesn't understand exactly what I do, Um, but from the you know from the entertainment element and production. But uh, yeah, we we have a great relationship. They're very supportive. They you know, and now what also part of the Arab culture is now that I have. That I have given them grandkids, I no longer matter. So I think I'm just kind of, you know, just, hey, mom, here are my children. <laughs> just bye. You know? <laughs> so that's kind of the dynamic of an, you know, like, because you get married, right? And then you need a yeah. baby like 10 months after the wedding. <laughs> and if it doesn't exist, they start asking questions that, you know, no man mm-hmm. or woman in the early journey of their, Marriage wants to tell their parents. You know, <laughs> so,
0: that, that sounds so. that sounds about uh, that sounds about right. Um, well, I'm I'm gonna pass it over, to Ahmad. But the one thing I will say is that you know, congratulations to you for breaking that barrier. Because I'm sure that you're setting um, um, an example to so many other young people who want to do something a little bit different, particularly. In the arts,
1: yeah, and it's yeah. weird because I didn't know that I was doing. That wasn't the aim at the time. Mm-hmm. And then ten years later, they're older and they, you know, they were watching the show or they saw me on stage. And now that, you know, I I don't know how to deal with compliments or admiration. It's weird, but when younger people come up to you and say. I can be an artist now because you did this. And I'm like, you know, (laughs) like, don't blame me if it doesn't work out. That's all I'm saying. Good answer. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um,
2: So, Hamad, I I view you as an all-around media person because you've done done interviews with people, you've done, you know, shows, um, not just comedy. Um, what would you tell young young uh, stand-up comics or aspiring stand-up comics about the industry? I mean, Qatar, as is Jordan, it's a very small market in itself um, for live shows. I mean, when you're doing live gigs, what would you tell them about the industry in terms of what else they can get into in media? Is it? Uh, I've noticed that you've not just stuck to comedy, but you've done other things. Um, so, what's what does what's the landscape like?
1: I mean for me the the outlet was then to become to work in advertising and, 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 and agencies and, and writing and, and doing kind of copywriting. I started as copywriter and then I've worked my way up to creative or associate creative director and became someone who can take an idea, produce it and package it and move it on. So there's ten years ago the amount of visual platforms that exist today weren't around. So the amount of things that you can do nowadays and you know, if you're just leaving school now or leaving university, you could also start earning really good money for something that you do that is your passion because of the tools that are available. I mean, we're talking now, it's crystal clear you're in Amman and I'm on top level. And I like, you know, we're having this amazing discussion And it's, it still fascinates me that all these tools are available and people can, you know, do them uh, and use them to make good on what they're good at. So there's so many outlets and the world of digital is is taking us to these places where you can get to a point where you're earning money from something that you love doing. And that's not always what a market or a job market offers. So Mm
2: -hmm. we're in
1: a, we're at a cusp of, change and that's a beautiful thing change is always a good thing in my opinion um and yeah my advice is to just understand what you're good at where you're spending most of your time kind of pursuing be aware of that number one i honestly wasn't aware of what i was doing until much later so take the time to kind of understand where you're going look around every now and then and be patient nothing happens overnight you know as much as we want it to be insta money <laughs> that's not the case
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's definitely not the case um so I'm just curious you know be, because you know you mentioned your company and and your um, experience in just um, media production creation innovation you um, what are some of the challenges that you faced, not just as an artist, because I think we tapped into some of that, but but also as a business owner, as an entrepreneur? Or did you yeah, face so my,
1: yeah yeah my first uh, venture was quickly when I moved back in 2011. I set up a company a year later 2012 towards the end of 2012, and it was a it's called Legacy Sports. It's still in operation now. We've kind of changed our our core, but the essence of it was we were an ECA company, extracurricular activities for school kids. So we would go and rent venues and provide coaching and and things like that. And the the challenge was, first of all, how do you form a company? What are the government regulations? There are certain activities that we would run that weren't licensable or didn't exist in the you know so there's so many things about knowing the market knowing your offering i you know idea execute you know and over the time you learn from your journey and there are key stakeholders that exist in order for you to set up your business and as much as we want everything done uh immediately or quickly um And demand things from public sector or licenses or venues, but there is you know, at the end of the day, there's a core market that you're servicing. So taking your business idea and then turning it into a reality, the challenges were first understanding how to go about it. Like I I had no idea what it meant to create a business. And it was just like, Oh, you set up a commercial registration and and then a year later you're looking at so many different elements of how to run the business and what, you know, reporting and licensing and things like that. So there's so many elements that I don't know and still to this day don't know. (laughs) But there are so many people that are there to help you and you should understand that these challenges are opportunities, I view them, to just kind of keep going. So understanding what the layout was and what the processes of everything were and what you as a business owner have as a responsibility towards the state or towards the market. So it started off as a passion project and it still exists. So yeah, you have to be kind of over time understand that uh, there's a niche that you want to service or and you also need to be able to be flexible and, you know, deviate from your core depending on market demands and clients demanding. So The first kind of tech venture that I tried to build was looking at the gaps in this business and seeing if we can automate the coach versus venue versus. um, And that led me into a whole host of different challenges and understanding what the policies around creating a tech business were. And that then again became working with other entrepreneurs, looking at accelerator programs, looking at a viable MVP, you know, friends and family funds and <laughs> like trying to raise capital and what seeding is and what pre-seeding is. It's like a whole world that I was completely attribute to. But, it's mm-hmm. you know, it starts somewhere and you just need to be aware of the surrounding space. So pay attention to what's happening around you. Uh, and then at the end of the day, there's someone who will pay you for the service. So, it's just kind of marrying those two together.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Hamad. I think our, our some of our audience might notice uh, that your accent has a bit of Irish in it. <laughs> yeah, I, I know for a fact that yeah. you spent some years there as as a, as a kid. Um, I did. Yeah. So, so where where did you grow up, other than uh, other than uh, Qatar, or, or was it mainly where were you? So
1: I was born here in 88 in Papa. And then in 92, we went to America because my father did his master's. And we came back in 97, Papa. And in 1998, we went to Ireland. Uh, or 97, I can't remember. Uh, 97, 98, that time we went to Ireland for my father to continue doing his PhD. And I was 9, 10 years old. So I turned into a proper adult. So I grew up in Dublin, came back, I was 16, and no one understood a word I was saying in the way. So I had to <laughs> kind of enunciate, <laughs> you know,
2: <laughs> yeah. pronounce
1: the T's and, <laughs> and roll your eyes. <laughs> don't. I still got art like, you know, proper. <laughs> but yeah, nice. I have an act for accents and that helps kind of with the uh, with the performances and stories having Yeah. So I sure. grew up in Dublin and, and it's it's hard to wash it off. I'll tell you our dinner table at home is the best in terms of like my two older sisters very American accents. Me and my brother, two younger brothers like Dublin. And then the younger generation is more of the, what I call the international GCC accent. It's a right. little American, little Australian, little, you know, like international. Little British. Babies. Yeah. That, you know, <laughs> like you, you'll you have some of them in Jordan that will come here and they will click it with the problem kids from mm-hmm. here because it's the same kind of accent, right? So uh, we have all of them available at dinner at our house. <laughs> Quite an interesting that,
0: that's a good menu that's a really good yeah. menu so um Hamed, as as we chit-chatted earlier um you know uh international youth day falls on august 12th so this month we're really trying to highlight all things youth um on our podcast and i was wondering what your thoughts are on some of the issues that youth are facing in
1: Qatar? Um, I don't, I mean, from the different hats, it's, at the end of the day, there's people, right? And the way I see it is, if you're good at something and you feel like you're, you know, there's merit in what you're offering, uh, then there should be spaces for you, but that doesn't always seem to be the case. Like we are in the cusp of a, you know, in the region of a digital kind of transformation, and the last two years of COVID showed us that people can be productive and add value from anywhere in the world. Um, so while we could say that there are certain challenges locally there's also so many opportunities externally just while you're still in the comfort of your space, right? So my my, my the way I see it is someone who's going to look for the hiring side of of, of it. As I need be younger, the younger, more kind of, you know, social media savvy, tech savvy kind of people who use and grow up with these tools. Like right? they're the ones who are going to add value to me. So it's, it's looking at the digital literacy of the next generation, I think for our generation and the generation before we need to catch up. So it's not about, a, it's not a race. It's understanding. And there's there has to be in the next couple, few years, a spirit of dialogue from both sides. And the only thing I can say is it's a matter of patience. And it's a matter of time because that's where the whole world's going. Um, we're all using these tools, and they're adding so much value. And you know, it's just there's no kind of switch where you can get into the success. You know, as much as there, you know, it's hard work, dedication, and discipline. Uh, so, yeah. There's so many. There's so many things, but take it easy. Like relax. Don't don't rush into uh, things. Take time and get used to things taking time. I love the excitement, the energy, and the passion, but the worry is that you then you don't see the results and you drop, and you and and then that begins to take its effect on you adversely. Um, so be aware of what. The, the Situation is, understand that there is time to get to that result, the desired result, and there are multiple variables that could either accelerate or, you know, get in the way of achieving those results. But if you cannot control them, if they're not in your hands to control, then just be patient and keep grinding at it.
2: Hamad, uh, as a millennial, um, what advice do you have for younger, uh, upcoming stand-ups, comics, uh, content creators?
1: I mean, for me, I I don't, like, I feel like I'm not a millennial. (laughs) But I am, I guess. There is a pressure to put out content and things like that because I've gone into this world. But at the same time, I know so many people who aren't, content creators and just you know some of them are athletes some of them are musicians some of them are just accountants legal people you know they're they're, they get on with their life and i feel like the next generations it's this is their thing right this is their space they're the ones who can bring a lot of it you know with platforms instagram snapchat tiktok now what's going on there it's their it's their time right it's not uh i mean i would seek advice from them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, to, to, to each one would be, I mean, if you're, there are demands to anything that you want to go into and if content creation and uh, the, the content world is something that you want to go to, there are demands from that. Like, you know, if you were an athlete, there are demands for that. There's, you know, demands for any role that you want to go into. But I feel like there might be a little bit more pressure for the next uh, generation of comic or content creator because of how these platforms consume their daily media consumption behavior. Like I remember when we were kids, there was morning and afternoon, so that was the only time you could watch the TV because it was early in the morning at breakfast time before school. There was a bit of cartoons on the telly. And then after you came back from school for a couple of hours, there was cartoons on the telly. Now I have a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and an almost two-year-old. And my problem is trying to get their eyes off of the screen. It's a very different problem. So they are consumed by this and, and it's part of their like inherently part of their lives. So I would learn from them, I think. <laughs>
2: yeah
0: um I like that a lot i don't I don't think we've heard it from from so many um entrepreneurs that instead of offering words of advice that it's sort of the opposite so i I like that it's a really nice way to wrap up the conversation um thanks so much Hamad for your time for your um, positivity and um for again um breaking the mold I think that's um, very brave very courageous and good luck with the rest of thank your journey thank you so journey. much
1: uh, I apologize for the technical difficulties <laughs> just proving once more that I'm not part of the millennium or millennial, <laughs> millennial <laughs> crowd <laughs> no honestly thank you guys for, for reaching out and hopefully we can do this again yeah. and there are amazing people in Qatar so if you want to talk to more let me know and if I can Introduce you to a few. There's a lot of exciting things happening here, so Absolutely. for sure. Thank you for your time and for your consideration, and yeah, Good. thanks for thank the kind words as well, Marissa. Good. Thank, you.
2: thank you, Hamid.
0: This podcast is funded by a grant from the United States Department of State. The opinions, findings, and conclusions of this podcast are those of our guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the United States Department of State.